Hello and welcome to Through the Line, the Agency Squared podcast with me, Andy Bargery. In today's show, we are once again looking at the wonderful world of agency finance. And my guest is Rehan Mogul, who runs a specialist accounting practice working with agencies only. And we explore some really important topics around tax planning, around systems and processes for getting your financial house in order, getting ready for exit and valuation models, and so much more around how agency owners can get better, smarter, at running or organising their financial affairs and what this might mean to the long-term success of their agency. So go ahead, fill your boots, enjoy the show, and I hope you get some plenty of key takeaways from Ray Hahn. He shares a lot of value. Ray Hahn, hello, how are you today? Hi, I'm really well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. Pretty good. Thank you ever so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's really nice to speak to uh, another financial person. The last episode we did was also looking at finance, but it's such an important area of agency life that it's great to explore it in a bit more detail. Uh, so, Rayhan, let me let me introduce you, and you can correct me where I go wrong. So, Rayhan Mogul, you run a company called Autus, which is a specialist financial consultancy working with agencies. And if I'm mistaken. I'm not mistaken, your background, you're an auditor with EY for about five years or so. Then you went to work with startups, management consultancy, ended up in a bank or building society. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then ended up running your own show. Is that about it? Does that sum it up reasonably well? Yeah, that's right. You're you're pretty much bang on. I wasn't an auditor for five years. It was three, but Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm pleased you're accurate with the numbers. It's a good sign. (laughs) (laughs) And a key part of the job, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think most of your work time now is spent working with agency owners, helping them to get their house in order financially, which I think is is such an important part of running a successful business. Yeah. So uh, we work exclusively with agencies. So all day and night, sometimes um, it's all about agencies for us. We are accountants and tax experts. So we offer essentially a full finance package for agencies that are growing but don't need a full finance team yeah um, and i think i think you called that a fractional cfo or something like that yeah so i'd describe myself as a fractional cfo and we put fractional cfos into agencies along with a team of other financial admin and support people and tax experts but yeah so we're trying to provide agencies that couldn't otherwise afford dedicated finance director or cfo the expertise that one can provide to help them scale and grow and achieve their goals. Mm, yeah. Okay. So I think there's, there's always that challenge when agencies are growing is, you know, when do they outsource this kind of work and when do they hire someone in? I think it's the same for finance as it is for uh, sales and marketing and biz dev. When do you have that function outsourced and when do you get to a big enough size where it makes more sense to hire full time? Yeah. So often it's, um, It's not as clear cut, I think, as um, bringing someone in for business development, for example, because I think when people think accountancy, they often silo it into a tax return and your bookkeeping. um, And that's about it. You kind of keep the business ticking along. So it's often not on the forefront of people's mind when they're thinking about what to outsource or what expertise they need to bring in next. But it is super important, especially when people are 
reaching that sort of 500k mark and beyond and they start to think about exit planning what what are their longer term goals for the business and also what are their longer term goals as a business owner um and that's the point where you really start to see a massive ROI on bringing in financial expertise because mm. you have the potential to save tens to hundreds of thousands in tax over over 10 years um you have the potential to reinvest far greater than others in the industry because you have really good control over your numbers over your cash um and you've got an expert there basically telling you what you can afford to push back business while still maintaining lifestyle goals and keeping that long term view in place so absolutely it's it's similar to agencies who want to outsource stuff like business development but it's not really top of mind and we want to make it top of mind because i think <laughs> there's a huge ROI to 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 anyone that um chooses to outsource to an expert yeah i, I think it's going back to what you said at the very start there is thinking about tax returns and really the compliance end of accounting is is what we have to do to satisfy the 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 rules the government right but what you're delivering is above that it's more not what's happened in the past and how you can be compliant but it's looking at the numbers and interpreting that for the future as well as well of course as making sure we don't overpay on our taxes uh, which is a big part a really interesting part of business isn't it as well um so it's is that right is it kind of rather than looking backwards it's looking forwards yeah i mean so so when we start working with the agency there is that backward looking piece to make sure that all the systems and processes are in place that we understand what's happened historically but the aim of all of that work is to get to a point where we can start to make decisions based on our future projections which includes um like i mentioned cash flow forecasting and, and understanding the um the next 3 to 5 years for that business but also you wrap it around with a forward looking tax piece um so i don't want to go into too much detail right now but there's three elements to tax and you mentioned one which is tax compliance so making sure that all your historical stuff is ticked and you're not getting a fine for submitting late or anything like that mm-hmm. um the second level is tax advice now most business owners have an element of tax advice so they'll accountant will tell them how to split their salary and dividends for example mm-hmm. yeah. um but often that's that's as far as people take it the third level is tax consultancy which is where you start to look at what what are your goals in 10 years for example um and not only your business goals so you might want to exit you might want to hit um quadruple your revenue quadruple profit um but also what does that look like in terms of your personal life so how much money do you need to take out of that business to live the life that you want for you and your family so tax consultancy takes that big picture view and starts to build a bespoke strategy of plan now so that when you get to that point you're not wasting money you're not you're not leaking and bleeding money out to hmrc because you've thought about it in advance and most people don't tend to cross into that that third level um until way too late where they're worrying about inheritance tax for example or they're moving abroad and they've got other considerations that's it's kind of mm-hmm. it's reactive yeah. rather than proactive tax consultancy i think i could count on one hand the amount of people i've spoken to who are actually planning far in advance for their their tax requirements <laughs> i think that's few and far between business owners tend to be aware and uh, conscious of the fact that they need to plan for the next year for example they will have a basic forecast in a spreadsheet but they don't they don't put that tax layer onto it so it's all well and good doubling profit in 12 months but 
how much of that profit's getting eaten up at the end of the day mm-hmm. and how much of it is usable for you to reinvest back into the business and that's a consideration i think that people really fall down on because you know it's it's 20 to 40% of that profit could get eaten up in taxes by the time it reaches your pocket so it's 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 huge um and it's a mass, massive missing element to that forward piece yeah i i like i said I, I don't think anyone ever speaks about this kind of tax planning like that and it sounds like a really smart thing to do to make sure you're only paying the amount of tax that you need to be paying and look for those opportunities to save tax and one of the things i think i see a lot of people talking about is r&d tax credits that kind of stuff right and i don't think i've ever really truly understood what qualifies for r&d um within an agency context that is uh, because we sell time for money right so it's hard to understand what that r&d could be but if you've got an example off the top of your head, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, so so an example of an R and D claim for an agency would be, or, or one that one that we've uh, processed recently was a claim for a bespoke learning portal on a client's website. So they had invested a significant amount of time and effort into developing a learning portal that uh, I think the definition from HMRC is if it's pushing uh, through technological uncertainty. So we made a case that this learning portal was pushing through technological uncertainty and this agency got a massive um, rebate back. So the only guidance really is, are you are you forwarding your industry by overcoming technological uncertainty? And if you can make a case for that, you will qualify for R&D. It's how strong that case is, which is why it's really important when when an agency does go through a process to see whether they qualify for R&D, that they explore a number of options and people because one person's opinion might be, no, you've got no chance with this, whereas another might say, yes, let's try it, and it goes through. So whenever it comes to R&D, there's two things. It's important to get a few opinions, um, but also it's important to claim every year because the legislation changes quite regularly. So something that didn't qualify last year may qualify this year. Oh, right. So you can go back and look at historical innovations and claim for those. Yeah. Or if it's an ongoing project and you, you didn't qualify on the, the previous 12 months spend at that point in time and you've continued to work on it to now, you can then put in another claim to to see whether or not it qualifies this year. Mm, interesting okay i think that's a topic we'd need to explore in more detail another time because i think it is quite a big opportunity for most agencies isn't it but what i really want to talk to you about today because we mentioned there a little bit earlier on that many agencies their goal or major sorry agency owners their goal is to exit to sell their business and i have this conversation loads with agency owners where they say, yeah, three to five years, I want to sell my business. I'll be ready to do something else then. I've had enough of handling clients, of hiring and firing and all the stuff that is part of a hectic agency life. And they really want to sell. And my response to them always is, well, if you want to sell in three to five years time, start getting ready to sell now, because by the time you've got everything in place, it will probably be three to five years down the track. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the big elements that makes a business more saleable is how well organized and structured is their financial affairs, their the, the numbers, how they look after the cash in the business. And so I'd really love to get your take from a professional's point of view as to, you know, what does how what what are the systems and processes an agency can put in place 
to get themselves ready for that exit because not only will they be ready for exit but they'll be running a better shop anyway won't they so mm-hmm. um i'd love to just you know get your take on that what are those kind of key systems and processes that agencies that are growing and looking to sell need to get themselves uh, organized with yeah sure um and i appreciate that's a massive question <laughs> yeah um that, that is a huge question i guess start at the top level when it comes to selling a business there's two things that need to happen or it's beneficial to happen three to five years in advance one of those is you start to develop a plan for um what you want your business to be valued and and what you need to do to get to that valuation so you need to be in a position where you've got a longer term plan and you're able to track against that plan so that in those three to five years you're making decisions that push your valuation towards the point you want it you also probably want to do a regular um or you want to have a valuation model which you can regularly assess your progress and the value of your business at a point in time whilst you're tracking towards that 3 to 5 year timeline um but the other thing is and again I come back to something I said previously is the tax consultancy piece because if you're selling your business in 3 to 5 years you're going to get hit with a massive tax bill so you need that planning to start 3 to 5 years in advance so that you can avoid and minimize that as much as possible so let's let's have a look at let's have a look at those three pieces then so you've got your long term plan you've got your valuation model and you've got your i guess tax preparedness haven't you mm-hmm. so what goes into that long term planning what do you mean by that is that cash flow forecast profit and loss forecast what are you what are you actually talking about there in terms of that long term plan yeah i mean it's it's more of a profit and loss and a balance sheet forecast by putting in place that forecast and plan on your key financial metrics you're able to push that through the valuation model at any point in time and spit out a number that says this is what your business is worth based on some common valuation methods so the long term plan is is just a very detailed financial plan same as you would do for 12 months but you just push it out and you'd start tweaking those numbers and pushing them through your valuation model until you get to a P&L and balance sheet makeup that gets you to an valuation that you want you can then start to work backwards on that plan to pick apart your business and understand what happens strategically to ensure that you hit those numbers okay all right so if you it's kind of starting with the end in mind isn't it you know classically i think people will say oh, i would like to sell my agency for a million pounds i don't know why that number seems to be fixated in many people's brains but let's say they want to sell for a million quid then they can work backwards through what that will require them to achieve through their balance sheet and profit and loss forecast over that three to five year period and I, I kind of understand that, but my, I guess my challenge with that is agencies are very cyclical businesses. They tend to grow and shrink and grow and shrink. And, you know, they have a very, not necessarily the most stable uh, business, I don't think, until you get to a certain size. So how far in advance can you really create a realistic profit and loss forecast or a balance sheet forecast? So, we we actually do we we set 10 year goals for our clients but that's to have direction on where you're going you wouldn't you wouldn't break that down you know to say this service is going to ge- generate this much revenue and this much uh, this is the cost okay. of sale you would have a top level revenue figure and you'd have an idea of how you're getting there but having a goal that long and even an annual plan that gets you there so years 1 through 10 it really helps focus you and it helps you understand what you need to achieve well in advance Mm. um 
but the other thing it does is it if you set that plan out and you show it to someone who is well versed in these things they, they're often going to look at it and say you're not aiming high enough because you can do so much in 10 years and people just tend to you know they over uh, overestimate what they're going to do in the next 12 to 24 months and they significantly underestimate what they're going to do in 10 years so by having that longer term goal you can um you can you can have it looked at critically to say are we aiming high enough and often people aren't aiming high enough or their valuations too low so it's really important to have that long-term plan uh, and yes you're right it's very difficult to forecast in any detail even to th- three to five years um, but by having something there as a baseline you track against it you remeasure it you take action you, you, it's all about knowing how you are tracking against plan and making changes as you need to i think that's really important isn't it that you know, you've got that 10-year goal, a vision of where you want the agency to be. It does give you a direction, doesn't it? I hadn't thought of it in that term, term before because 10 years is a heck of a long time. <laughs> in anyone's money, 10 years is a long time. So planning that far ahead, I always think, is is fantasy, really. But if you flip it around and say, well, it's not a plan, it's more of a target, it's a goal to aim for, that could be, should be motivational if the target's the right number. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really interesting what you said there is we tend to overestimate what we can do in the in 12 to 24 months, but underestimate what's possible in the decade. I think that's the curse of being an entrepreneurial person is we always think we can do more than is actually possible to achieve, I think. Okay, so having that long-term plan is a starting point. So talk about valuation models then. So is it classically that there is a multiple of net profit that people can sell their agency for, or, or is that just an extraordinarily simplistic view of, what is a complex part of finance? It is simple. I think it, it well, it's a simplistic view. Um, yes. There, there are many <laughs> valuation models. Some are more common than others. The, the most common one that I come across is discounted cash flows. Uh, okay. So estimating the value of a business based on uh, its future cash flows uh, adjusted for time. Okay. But th- there are there are many different valuation models out there and it depends on the business um, structure, how they operate, what's what what the value drivers are underpinning that agency. If an agency is working on a retainer model and they've got really predictable profit, you might look at valuing it based on profit. If they are more um, project-based and income is sporadic, you might then want to look at making predictions around future cash flows and seeing what that that spits out. It's subjective depending on, on the business. Mm. But you'd, you would have quite a, a simple valuation model at the start when you're three to five years out because you, you don't need pinpoint accuracy. As you get closer and you start speaking to potential buyers, you'll understand what's important to them and how they value a business. And you can start to build that into your model. Um, mm-hmm. So you get something more accurate out of the end of it. Um, but it comes back to that longer term piece, right? Because three to five years, it's very difficult to plan for. But you have a direction, you have a target. And you track against that target. And as you get closer, you refine everything down and you have something more accurate. Okay. So there's a term you've been using quite a lot. There's track against the target. And I'm just trying to think through in terms of from a practical perspective, that process of tracking performance against target. How often would you review that? Is that a monthly, quarterly, annually thing? What's what's typical within an agency environment? It, It depends on the size of the agency. I would always advocate monthly if you're in half a million plus 
and you and you're planning for uh, to, to sell the business at some point in the future but quarterly isn't uncommon as well and mm-hmm. what we mean by that is every, everyone's got like a monthly financial process right so in an ideal world and you, most agencies actually aren't doing this but in an ideal world you would have reporting provided to you every month so your management accounts or your kpi dashboards and within that monthly reporting pack or, or even quarterly reporting pack you would also probably push through those numbers into your valuation model and see look at that at a high level you wouldn't do a deep dive into it every month but it's good to to track as a kpi mm. um you'd probably want to then review it and deep dive into it probably every quarter more than monthly and then annually you would you would review it and do a full bottoms up on it just to make sure it's still fit for purpose so having a, a monthly quarterly and an annual process in place for checking in on the financial health of the business is is one of the things you'd advocate i suppose yeah definitely that's kind of what we try and get our clients to um so you want to put in place all these systems and processes that make the financial administration so the bookkeeping payroll taxes kind of automated in a way um and as streamlined as possible so that the business owner doesn't have to worry about any of that side and instead they spend their time looking at useful information that's come out of the business on a monthly or quarterly basis so a good financial process looks like it looks like there's weekly bookkeeping there's monthly reporting and there's quarterly planning and then there's an annual review <laughs> okay that's a really nice way to look at it so weekly bookkeeping yeah yeah so, so your weekly bookkeeping is there to ensure that you've always got up to date information so you can look into your accounting system you can look into your reporting at any point in time and you can see exactly where you are because everything is reflected most uh, businesses and agencies are doing bookkeeping on a monthly basis if they're lucky sometimes it takes them two months to do it which means that you've never got access to that information so you don't know how you're performing at any point in time so weekly bookkeeping is really important because even when you're not speaking to your FD or your accountant you can still see in a snapshot where you are and how you're performing against the plan and then all of that leads to a formal report at the end of the month so it's good and to do a deeper dive into the management accounts and important KPIs on a monthly basis quarterly planning is really important because you need to know what your priorities are at least four times a year and then annually once you've submitted your um, accounts to HMRC and to company's house it's useful to have a look at a year on year view see how you performed and what the priorities are going forward yeah i always think that the um that annual process of looking at the the accounts you've submitted and really trying to understand it it's probably the most enjoyable part of accounting from, from a non-accountant's perspective because i can see the trends and the patterns over the over time have i grown have i shrank what does my margin look like? I really actually, <laughs> strange as it sounds, I really enjoy that part of finance is looking through the P&L on the balance sheet. That's great. What I really find tiring is the the weekly bookkeeping because I actually do weekly bookkeeping and um, it's just tiresome. I've tried to cut it down as much as I can. And when I was running my agency, um, we had about a team of five. Uh, I was spending probably half a day a week just doing bookkeeping and admin stuff. And I was thinking, this is crazy. Why am I yeah. doing this? I should be looking for new clients or, you know, guiding the team or or whatever that else that looks like. And I think, you know, probably when you get to a stage where you've, you're starting to hire people, you probably want to hire a bookkeeper at the same time just to take away all of that 
admin burden and certainly with a payroll as well it can be very tempting to do bookkeeping and payroll yourself as the owner of a small agency but i think that in reality you're adding very little value doing those kind of admin tasks aren't you yeah absolutely um and it's also it's it's generally quite cost inefficient for an agency to try and source a bookkeeper and a payroll administrator etc uh, etc et individually because not only do they need to to pay them for a small amount of work they also need to manage them um so mm. what we try to provide is that outsourced bookkeeping payroll admin and, and all the stuff you need to keep your finances ticking along probably for a lot cheaper than you can get someone in yourself there's no value being added to a business owner in them doing their own bookkeeping or payroll so i would say it should be it should, no, like you all. said it's very time consuming especially when your systems aren't set up properly so if I was a business owner, it would be really high on my list because it's just something that I would hate to do myself. <laughs> do you do your own bookkeeping, Rayhan? Um, I have a bookkeeper who does mine as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good sign, isn't it? Okay. So what are the kind of common things you see when you talk to a new agency client? What are the common things they're struggling with? Why do they come to you and say, Rayhan, please help? What What is it that they need to overcome? So often um, they come from a place where they've they've got an accountant, but the accountant hasn't grown with the business. So they probably had them to do that compliance piece or to do their bookkeeping, but they've not been able to provide them with that insight and expertise that they now need as the business has grown. Um, so often it's a result of their business getting too much for their existing accountant to handle and therefore bookkeeping slips. Um, they're not getting any sort of reporting out of it. So they come to us because they want to know what steps they need to take to hit the next level. So it's often from a place of a lack of clarity and insight, from a place of spending too much time managing their numbers, managing their accountant, and also then not having that clarity over tax. And so when tax time comes, people are hurt because they have a huge tax bill and they probably haven't had the conversations that they need to understand why they're paying that much tax. So Mm. Tax time is good for us because people are uh, they're in pain and they're looking <laughs> to be completely honest when, with you. Um, um, when it comes to the end of January and there's that mad panic to get the uh, personal tax return submitted, yeah. suddenly you realise, wow, my God, I'm paying this much tax. <laughs> I suspect that's when your phone rings off the hook, isn't it? Exactly. Uh, it's, a good, it's a good time for us, but not many. So, Rahan, what are the kind of typical challenges that clients come to you as when they're looking for help? What are the things that they're losing sleep over? Yeah, so they tend to be spending too much time managing their finances. So either managing their finances or managing their accountant that is managing their finances. They are in a position where they're not getting that output from their financial systems. So they're not, they don't have a, a view on how their business has performed over the last month. Um, they don't have that forward-looking view. Um, they don't know how much cash they've got to reinvest next month. Um, and it's just a general lack of clarity. Um, and the other part is that they are spending way too much with HMRC. So their tax bill is far too high and they don't want to experience that again. Um, so they start looking for someone who can provide them with that more consultative approach to help them really understand where their money is going, why it's going. Um, and what they can do about it yeah i think i think there's a big one there is is you know not knowing what cash they've got to reinvest the next month or generally not knowing what cash they've got available in the business to to spend on the business is that's a big challenge it's a big problem isn't it 
yeah. I think, um, yeah. you know, your cash position really is, from from my point of view, all about the short-term health of the business. If you haven't got cash or you don't know your cash position, how do you know whether you can hit payroll next month or the next couple of months? Exactly. And um, often often people get stung. They end up putting in their personal savings or they need to get a short-term loan. And then they realize, okay, we need mm-hmm. more visibility going forward. But cash is the one thing that can cripple a business within weeks. You know, something that appears really healthy can suddenly collapse because they just can't afford to pay their monthly um, regular outgoings, which for an agency, a big part of that is their team. So they've got payroll Mm. they need to make. They've got a massive fixed cost, which you can't flex on and other people are dependent on at the same time every month. And you've got clients which have usually pretty favorable terms. So they might take 30 days to pay you. Um, Some of them might not pay you. They might be disputing you. And If you're lucky. Yeah, yeah, if you're lucky. (laughs) So you, you can quickly find yourself in a hole with cash and by forecasting it and planning for it, you know, you, you can know up to 12 weeks in advance where you potentially have a shortfall and mm-hmm. you, you can take action at that point rather than getting to the point where you know, it's Friday and you're panicking because you, your bank balance is negative and you need to find some money somewhere to make payroll. So cash is super important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And on that point as well, if you have to get some short-term finance, I've always found that when you need finance the most, it's bloody hard to get it. When you don't need it, you can walk into cash all over the place, can't you? It's just crazy. But when you really need it, you know, going to to banks, et cetera, it's, it's, it's a formidable challenge to get it when you're struggling. And I heard a story yesterday of, a, of a, an agency owner who's some, he has a significant shortfall and he put like a couple of hundred grand worth of debt on his amex just to hit payroll one month i was thinking oh my gosh personal stress i of could not that sleep on an if that had happened to me <laughs> uh, absolutely not and um i, I really i'm uh, laughing now and the agency survived as far as i know so it was a short-term issue but my gosh it would have been good to have seen that coming to have arranged something other than credit card debt to pay your wage bill uh, is there any more expensive than a credit card debt you know you'd have to go to one of those bloody short-term lenders what are these guys called um wonga.com wonga.com or something <laughs> yeah and then you'd get totally murdered wouldn't you oh gosh but obviously you know working with a good cash flow forecast and financial systems and processes in place you should really avoid those sorts yeah of things. definitely and then also in, in terms of the processes it's, it's also about automating that invoicing process um when it comes to cash because a lot of agencies are manually chasing and it just runs way down their list. So when a client's not paying, they're not being pestered either because it's just, you've got so much other things to do. So by putting in place a system that can automate that chasing and even go through to, to a collections, um, to a collections process, you take all that stress off your head and um, you'll find your cash producer far better than, than it was before. Yeah. I think the, the, the importance of really tight credit control, procedures can't be underestimated you know and, and i had a client a few years ago who uh stopped paying and, and after two months we, we that was our cutoff point like you got two months and that's it and then we stopped and thankfully we did stop because ultimately the firm went out of business um, so we only lost two months worth of uh fees from that um but it could have been much worse if we'd given them the grace we'd given to other clients previously and you know tightened up on our processes around credit control and that was a really big thing for us at the time because it was a decent sized client you know it was a good retainer for us but you know you've got to be careful with the clients you're working with particularly if you're not working with blue chips 
and you're working with you know smaller size mid-sized companies uh credit control i think is another really important process isn't it yeah definitely and, and also uh, just managing the risk like you said capping that two months probably saved you far more uh, in the longer run yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i'm i'm, I'm super pleased we did that I, you know i was we we're talking earlier on i think about you know entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial people are typically quite optimistic about what they can achieve typically quite optimistic that people are going to pay us <laughs> <laughs> which isn't always a wise thing Rayhan, uh, thank you very much for coming on and chatting about what you're up to and how you help agencies. Uh, it is an area I think we could all raise our game a little bit and finding somebody like yourself who specializes in this space is really important. And I know you were talking about establishing some kind of benchmarks for agencies around the various different parts of their business. I think that's something you're working on in the future, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, we do benchmarking now. Um, it's something that we're okay. looking to grow and improve. So we. The, the more agencies we work with in a, in a specific space with a similar business model, the more data we have to start benchmarking. Um, now we have a, a few partnerships which give us access to that data. So we are able to benchmark against quite a large number of agencies globally. But yeah, that's it, it's something that is a massive benefit of working with an agency-only accounting firm is we have data and we can start to build a picture around whether your business is performing above the average for for your industry uh, below the average what you need to improve what needs to be lifted um, and start to really understand why you're in those positions as well and why other agencies are doing better or worse so benchmarking is huge and it's it's something that a lot of our clients are asking for now so we do offer it we're just hoping to really grow it and improve on it and expand, it. expand that piece yeah um Maybe at some point in the future, you can come back and talk to us about benchmarks and the kind of key, the KPIs that agencies are working with and helping them to establish whether they've got a healthy agency or one that's underperforming versus their peers. I think that would be a really super interesting yeah, exercise. Yeah, yeah. Rohan, how should people reach out to you, get in touch if they want to find out more about working with you or about how you help agencies? What's the best place to go to? Um, so I'm active on LinkedIn, so feel free to search me on on there it's Rayhan Mogul I think Andy's going to put uh, spelling there so I won't bother spelling it out <laughs> yeah I'll put it in the show notes yeah um, you can drop me an email at rayhan at autis.uk or check out our website and fill in the contact form which is autis.uk amazing Rayhan thank you so much for joining us and yeah let's get together again talk about benchmarking at another point thanks Andy look forward to it <laughs>